If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 382 of the Severe MMA podcast. I'm a horse, Sean Sheehan, joined by an also horse, Graham MacDonald, as uh, we are about to look back at Bellator Dublin. And I think that's going to probably be the whole of our podcast today, if I'm being honest. Um... There, maybe towards the end we'll be, I have I literally literally haven't even looked at, at what's coming up next week I think there's Bellator I have looked at the one championship alright and I think there's UFC as well so we yeah. will uh, Kajuki Pitbull Adam Barth AJ oh. McKee Spike Carlisle uh, Aaron Pico Jeremy Kennedy that's actually a great uh, card to be fair <laughs> that's yeah. a very good card so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that towards the end of the podcast maybe for a few minutes uh, but uh, like always we'll have the, the Q&A and we'll have uh, Hot Topic and, and more as well later in the week but obviously we're going to focus a lot on Bellator Dublin today but before we get into all of that and a big shout out to our friends at Manscaped because you know it was a very expensive trip a very 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 expensive trip and without the help of people like Manscaped we wouldn't be able to do it and actually what the first Severe MMA podcast fan I met on, uh, on the night of the fight, he goes, Sean, I use your Manscaped uh, promo code. <laughs> like, fair fletch, yeah. So they're, they're out there, and uh, we, we really appreciate it. And um, please do use the promo code Severe MMA to get 20% off uh, and free worldwide shipping for Smooth Sack Summer. Uh, that is, well, suppose that summer is coming to the end, I suppose, but now it's fresh ball fall, and the leader in blow the waist grooming is here to make sure pubes feel smoother than a beach ball and stay fresher than your girl's pumpkin spice. So start the new season the right way and get 20% off uh, with Manscaped at manscaped.com and free worldwide shipping as well using the promo code Severe MMA. As I said, I was away for the weekend. I used my uh, my, my uh, travel bag, um, which is absolutely phenomenal. In it, I had the reviver, I had the um, the crop preserver ball, the odor, as well. Absolutely phenomenal. And you know, obviously, before we go, we use uh, everything in the performance package four point the trimmer as well, and get the all knee, knees, uh, <laughs> ears, ears, and nose trimmed up as well with the weed whacker that lawnmower 4.0 is brilliant it's a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology it is 7000 rpm motor multifunction on and off switch uh, with a travel lock which is very handy for, for lads like me and gives you the ability to turn on and off the 4000 k led spotlight for a more precise shave it's also waterproof so oh my god Beckett lock in Dublin has the best water pressure 
of any uh, literally it's cost a thousand euro a night but <laughs> not that much stay there just for the water pressure it's fucking unbelievable the best ever anyway uh, if you if you are there use your manscaped and it's waterproof it's absolutely uh, brilliant and also the liquid formulations you can use them this uh, this autumn as well the crop preserver to stay cool uh, in the heat uh, soothing aloe vera formula is the best in the business for below the waist freshness and the clear drying formula keeps your sack looking and smelling good also the boxer uh, manscape boxers and the shade travel bag which is so brilliant and so handy to keep everything in so keep yourself groomed from head to toe uh, by also getting shears 2.0 it's a luxury nail grooming kit uh, includes a stainless steel cutters tweezers and grooming scissors with the performance package your balls will uh, be ready to impress but make sure you cover the rest with the shears 2.0 so get 20% off and free shipping with the code severe at manscaped.com that's 20% off Plus free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. Keep things smooth and fresh. As we say, sayonara to smooth ball summer and enter fresh ball fall. And Graham, we enter fresh ball fall with an almighty night of mixed martial arts in the tree arena. It was... It was, it was epic stuff. It was real epic stuff. It was one of those nights, I think, where... The Irish just kept winning and winning and winning. And I, I, I don't know, did I realise or you realise and most people didn't realise until it was probably like five or six deep. And then we're like, oh shit, every, everyone's winning here. I think for us as well, obviously we're very busy because all the Irish guys are winning and you know, you're going to be interviewing them and it's going to take longer and everything. So we were all obviously very busy working there. But it turned into such such a brilliant night. It started off so well with uh, the big finishes and then we had the unbelievable Carl Moore comeback. Uh, you know, Leah came out and got a big reception. Yoel got a big reception. Obviously, the main event walkout as well. Okay, I mean, the last three fights maybe weren't as brilliant uh, as, uh, you know, as you'd have hoped for maybe, but still, Leah got the win. She's a big crowd favourite. Yoel got the win, big crowd favourite. And the main event, you know, we'll talk about the main event, I suppose, but... An epic night for Irish MMA fans, and I think, uh, you know, one that will be remembered for a long, long time. I think, you know, we we harken back to the days of UFC Dublin all the time, where, what was it, Ireland, was it five or six in or something like that? What was it, eight and one on, on the night? Irish and Irish base fighters, absolutely unbelievable stuff altogether. And we haven't had a night like that in a while, because Bellator, to be fair, and I know Ariel tweeted this as well, and Ariel, come on, Ariel, give us a few retweets there. A bit of, a bit of support for all Severe and uh, He's forgotten about us. He, you remember he used to support us all the time? Now no, he's, he, he's gone, uh, well, maybe we are gone. I was going to say he's gone too big for us. Maybe we're gone too big for him. But anyway, a bit, a bit of support to be nice from the big boys and not just Ariel. What about Luke? What about the MMA junkies and all them lads? Come on, bit, a bit of support for the for the the people doing it out there and fucking killing themselves to, to you know to get all this fucking content out there, which uh, which a lot of them are fucking using as well. But anyway. Um, what was I saying, Graham? I don't know. I just, I just decided to, I just decided to choose war, like the early fighters. Tangent. Tangent. <laughs> I decided to choose war there, like the early <laughs> fighters. But a, a great night for Irish MMA, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. You know, obviously, as you mentioned, it, it started off really well and continued that way. You know, obviously, there was uh, early on. It looked like there might be kind of a lot of finishes. It did slow down a bit, but we, we saw like uh, I don't even know what it was. It was called like. Uh, uh, the Luke, uh, Luke and Hater? Yeah, yeah, the Luke and Hater. But uh, I don't know, was it like a, a inverted scarf hold or something? But sometimes you, you get a feeling on a night that like or something crazy is going to happen. And it looked like that at the start. Uh, obviously, there was a head kick in the second one as well. Uh, choked out cold guillotine. 
it was two people out cold in, in three fights. So uh, it started off really well. And there was a couple of fights that kind of slowed it down a little bit. But in general, it was a really, really good card. Like, you know, on paper, it was really good. And I think it delivered. Obviously, the, the, we'll get into the main event being disappointing for the Irish fans and stuff like that. But I think overall, as a night, uh, it was a really good night of fights. Maybe before we get into it fight by fight, um, to kind of talk about the week itself, because we, we did that the last time as well. And I know I kind of gave out that there weren't many media and things there the, at the last couple of events. And uh, I, I would say it was better this time, to be fair. Um, the media there, we had, there was a few people, or not, not many, to be honest, uh, but more than the last time. Uh, um, I know uh, Jerry was there. Great to see Jerry back. Um, I think AK MMA is uh, her name as well. The photographer that was there, and uh, and Andy was around as well. Andy did a great job, obviously for Severe May all week in Quilja and Ian over in Canada as well. The team did a fantastic job as well as as the two Harrys and and uh, uh, Jake and everyone as well and yourself, Graham, for fair play. But yeah, it was def- definitely a better media turnout um, on those days. The weigh-ins again. No one there really. really. Jerry did turn up in fairness, so I was myself and Andy there, which I, I always find a bit weird because the weigh-ins are like the most almost the most important bit because Bellator don't really like stream them or you know, and, and that's where like the biggest drama of the week can almost happen. Now it didn't happen this time, but yeah, it was. Uh, and there all of a sudden comes from the weigh-ins, even like talking to Mike Mazzulli and saying that the two lads got fined for being late to the. Um, you know, to, to the uh, pre-fight rules meeting, Pedro Carvalho and Estela Juge got fined 500 quid each to be there to kind of report that. I think that's what you need to be there for. But, you know, you had the people showing up, obviously, for their free ticket on, fr- on Friday night as well, which is is not great. But Bellator, I think, did a phenomenal job all week. The media day was, was well set up and it was great as well. They, you know, I talked to them beforehand and they asked my opinion on it. And I think they, they did everything that, that we could have wanted and they were absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, Bellator, I've, I, I've never said a bad word about them in the past, you know. <laughs> you know, they, were, they were great absolutely great for us here and like the Call, media, calling me out there suddenly on my, my free ticket <laughs> on your free ticket ah well to be fair you were you were working from home you were uploading the videos and you were on all of that so to be fair you put yeah. in lots of coverage you know there were lots of lads out there that wrote a 200 word article like and showed up as if they were you know real journalists and things it's yeah it's yeah I don't know uh, I, I, the weirdest thing to me is Dublin people just won't hop on a Lewis and you know, going to a hotel for two hours. That's the weird. I, like, I'm traveling up fucking three and a half hours to come up here to go to this, and people from Dublin want to hop on the Lewis. I don't know. I just find that awful lot. But I know there's lads working, you know, working normal jobs and stuff as well. It's, it, uh, it's not easy. But anyway, um, yeah, the, the, like, I think the, the fighters are very good on the. Uh, on the media day, you know, obviously the standout ones, Brian Moore is always great. He was pumped up. I think it's great as well, the fact, you know, Andy interviewed a lot of lads a few weeks ago, and I interviewed some of them as well, and then to talk to them just before the fight, see the fights, and then talk to them after the fights as well. We rarely get, I, I remember myself and Harry did a, a podcast about it uh, recently, we rarely get that much of a look at fighters. You know, we usually see them maybe on fight week, maybe directly after, and that's it. But to see them kind of, you know, a lot, I suppose, in, in the the. the two to three weeks around the fight, maybe even the month around the fight, I think it gives you an extra little bit of, uh, you know, of info on him. Maybe even like, you look at Brian Moore, Andy interviewed him, and he was on about, you know, being kind of rootless and being more aggressive and things. And then we talked to him beforehand, and he was saying a similar sort of thing, and you could see that he was kind of pumped up for it. And he goes into the fight. And uh, I think a lot of that was maybe to get out of Aldo going because he fought a very smart game and obviously we'll get to that and then afterwards he was kind of very pumped up as well it was, it was very interested to see the way he was and to see like Lee I thought 
coming into the fight, her demeanor was like a bit of relief to not be in the Sinead fight anymore and to not be in that whole hoopla. And then afterwards, I, th- I think she was like a little bit disappointed in herself or I don't know what it was, or maybe it was just relief as well. But, she, you know, she kind of fell down after the fight and uh, Molly McCann picked her up in the interview afterwards. She wasn't saying much. I think she kind of just, she wanted to get this one out of the way. And we'll, obviously we'll get more to that as well. But it was, you know, I, I thought it was very good to meet it and the, the Wayans as well. You know, there wasn't much of a, you know, there, there wasn't much happening happening there in terms of um, anyone missing or anything. The closest thing uh, that happened was Kenny Muckahanna turned up like two minutes before, before the hour was up because he decided to call ahead an SPG and uh, <laughs> he, he didn't realise it was nine o'clock in the morning in fucking Dublin traffic and he was going through bus lanes and everything to try to get out to the tree arena driving. I need to just hop on to Lewis is the question I'd ask. But anyway, yeah, he, he managed to get there and he managed to, to make it anyway. But uh, as I said, it was it was a great week on all, great meeting loads of people we met, you know, loads of fans of the podcast. Uh, Sean Shamrock is out and Return of the Mac, my guy was was there as well. I met him. The great man for the questions over on the hold on, can I can I play it? Can I play it? Will I get taken down if I play it? There we go. Legend. He got to, he gets one in the main podcast now as well as that. But yeah, it was it was an epic night. Talking do you know it was great as well to talk to a lot of the, the American judges and referees that are over as well that we don't get to see that often and uh you know I, I was uh it was great to see you know, I, saw, I saw Ron McCarthy there and Brian Minor. What about Brian Minor stoppage in that first fight as well? I mean, we'll get to that, but great night altogether. And Graham uh, you Jesus, you even had a few fans coming up to you and all and uh, you know, you were returning the match. You were you were outing me. You were like, This is Graham, this is <laughs> I was like, oh fuck's sake! <laughs> yeah. Return of the Max said he forgot to get you to sign his uh, his Lewis ticket. He said next time he'll get, he'll get you to sign it. So, yeah, but an epic, uh, very good week altogether, Graham. Wasn't it? And it was great to see the, the love of the fans. There's loads of the the t-shirts going around as well. It was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. It was great to see a load of the t-shirts around. And um, uh, you already touched on it already, but it was great work from the Severe May team. You know, uh, Andy Stevenson, yourself, Ian, Harry, everyone, even behind the scenes who wasn't at the event. Everybody working together well to get the videos up, uh, the thumbnails done, all that stuff, the social medias. Everybody did a great job, and I think the the coverage is really good. I think uh, the pre-fight scrums, uh, as you said, in the pre-fight interviews, even weeks before, gave a lot of insight. And you know, there's there's not a lot of promotion around this this fight outside of Severe MMA that I saw, to be honest. Uh, so. Yeah, well done to the whole team at Severe MMA for, for the, the, the coverage uh, of Bellator and over the last few months. I think the, the team's really working well together at the moment and hopefully the, the fans are enjoying the results. And it was great to see everybody, as you said, out there supporting, coming up to us uh, with Severe MMA t-shirts. And it was just, uh, everybody was very friendly and nice and it was a, it was a good atmosphere in terms of that. So uh, yeah, I, I, had a, I was only there on Friday, but I had a, I had a great night and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure you did too. I did indeed. I did indeed. Um, right. We, also, if you want to support that team, and uh, as you said, Graham, we were the only ones really pull, putting out the top class coverage for the event. So, patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast if you want to see it next February and the time after that. Because honestly, with the price of Dublin hotels at the moment, I'm not sure how long that <laughs> this whole thing is sustainable. So, if you want to help us uh, continue to do that, please sign up there. And as you said, you mentioned all the lads, I mentioned them as well. I've said it before, and we'll get onto the fights here because this was not what we should be concentrating on, but the Severe May team now is the best Severe May team we've ever had. 
that and I truly believe that and you might be thinking oh well there's lads going on to do this and no the lads now are, are even better and they're going to be even better and just watch this space I'm telling you these lads are really really good and support them get on the bandwagon now and uh, it's uh, it's it's going to be a very very good time for, for Severe and May over the next while and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to being a, a part of it and, and helping the lads out as I'm sure you are Graham so let's get into the fights all together here <coughs> the one, also, the one thing I must say as well, when we get into the arena, I think the fans and you were kind of saying this to me, Graham. That they landed a little bit later than usual. There's usually more in for the first couple of fights, and I think maybe that's because, uh, you know, I don't know how many people actually knew Luca Apocalypse was part of SPG. I didn't even know until like, you know, last week. He's not one of those names, and I probably did know, but I didn't even think of it. And you know, Asel as well. I know people know Asel, but I think. By the time that fight came on, but by the time the Kenny fight came on, people were, were getting into the arena. It was a slower maybe arriving. There was rumours that there was loads of tickets for sale and everything. I would say I was probably at 98, 99% sold out. The place was absolutely yeah. packed. You, to the I Raptors. think you were saying to me, or you were saying to me that a lot of people were having trouble on the website actually yes. getting the tickets and had to go queue for the box office. Queue, we yeah. did see big queues for the box office. So I think people got in in the end, but might have missed the first couple of couple of fights because of that point, uh, yeah. partly anyway yeah I, th- I think that's yeah that's actually great but I hadn't even thought of that but yeah there was when we were queuing outside for the media entrance to get in there was maybe I don't know 30 or 40 maybe not that many but a good few lads waiting outside uh, to, to queue up and I, I literally got like 5 or 6 messages I'm trying to go to the event uh I can't get him on Ticketmaster. I don't know. Maybe it's a twenty-four hour thing or something. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people were going to the box office to get tickets to get in. But uh, most did eventually get in anyway. It was very good crowd. The one thing I would say, like the smell of fucking weed inside there, and the the, the cues for the toilets. That you know, you could guess what lads were doing inside in the toilets were. Abs- it was ridiculous. Like uh, it's gone too far. Now, as as someone in our uh, our chat said the other day, I'm all for people having a good time and all of that, but. I don't know, did the tree arena need to do a better job? Did the policing or something need to do a better job? Because a lot of people were giving out as well that there was people up and down all night and they couldn't watch the fights and the, the, the smell of weed inside there was absolutely atrocious and all that. That's the one thing I would, you know, I would criticise. The crowd was generally very, very good. The, the whole Lizzie's in a box Grump, thing as well. Grumpy old man complaining about the smell of flowers. It, 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 was, it was rotten. That's fair. The old Lizzie's in a box thing as well <laughs> was a bit... It's the first couple of times, like, okay, lads, right? Uh, you know, whatever. You made your point, yeah. Yeah, the main event, to do in the main event, I thought it was like, what the fuck are you doing? And it's not just like, I don't give a shit. People are allowed to chant whatever they want to have, have at it. But it's like, there's two, like, world-class fighters here fighting. Have a bit of respect for them and the mind you're fucking wanting to create a viral video to so people on YouTube will give out or people on Twitter will give out about it. Like, stop that shit. You know, it was it was embarrassing, I think, that but in general the Irish fans were, were very, very good. Very good for the Brian Moore fight, very good for you know, Yoel, I think Yoel was my favourite one because and I tweeted Irish fighters but not just Irish fighters because we've always said it, and this proves me right what I've been saying for years, that the Irish fans don't just want Peter Queeley, they don't just want Brian Moore and they want Brian Moore and they want Peter Queeley, don't get me wrong they don't just want Lee and Sinead Cavan and all of them they want Yoel Romero too they want Rory McDonald, they want fucking Israel Adesanya, they, they want all the big best fighters in the world and last Friday proved that when they came there they supported them and it was brilliant, Melvin Manhoff got uh, one hell of a stretching 
there was one grey moment as well, Graham. I know you didn't see it, but myself and Quilch and, and uh, John Balfe was there as well. Shout out John Balfe. We went back for a, a pint in the Gibson afterwards and we were just sitting down and had our old drink and who walks through the door? Melvin Manhoof. And the whole place just stood up and gave him a massive reception. It was, oh my God, it was epic. It was one of those moments, right? That you, it, it happened so quickly, you didn't have time to get your phone out, but it's one you'll never forget as well. That Melvin, uh, you know, after retiring, the whole place stood up and, and gave him great respect. And I must say for Bellator as well, the way they treated Melvin all week, and the way they treated the retirement. We know about hashtag MMA retirements and all that. But to be fair, Melvin did retire from kickboxing once and has stayed retired. So maybe it'll be the same for MMA. And it seems, you know, it seems like he is. He's getting on older, uh, you know, now as well. But the way they treated him all week was absolutely exceptional. And it was great to see uh, that moment. But um, yeah, I think... Yeah, yeah. the whole the whole Yo Romero thing and Melvin Mano thing was great. The only thing I think was bringing his kid, his young daughter oh, that to was so a fight bad. Yeah. against Yo Romero, you know, <laughs> Yo fucking Romero. Like, uh, maybe if you're fighting your last your last MMA fight or you're planning on retiring, you're fighting some wrestler who's not known for his knockouts, you might, you know, calculate the risk as not that high, but <laughs> you're going in there against Melvin Manhoff, like, fucking, or against uh, Yo Romero. Like, the chances are pretty high that, you know, Melvin Manhoff is going to get sparked, and, and he did, and his daughter was there to see it, so that... The only thing that kind of tainted his his night, even you know, obviously he would have loved to have won, but in terms of the reception he got and and the vibes around it, that that was like you know, obviously a, a, a down point and a, a mistake. I think to bring, I think it's it's coming to the discussion a little bit in the MMA circles about fighters bringing their kids to to fights and stuff like that. You know, it's not necessary. I think it's. You know, once you once you've come out of the fight unharmed or you're okay again, you can sit down and watch the fight with them if you want. But bringing them to to a fight like that, I think, is 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 a bad idea. Sorry, yeah. obviously it's it's not a it's not um you know it's it's up to the decision of the of the parents or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. It's just hard for hard hard to see when somebody when for a kid to see their father sparked out in the cage like that. Yeah, I, I think there's a bit of confusion as well because I think they showed Yoel Ramirez's son maybe. I, and, and maybe maybe it was his son, I don't know. I just, I, uh, I, I think there was a young boy and a young girl there and I, I we saw a young girl kind of, maybe it wasn't his son, maybe it was his niece or something, or sorry, his daughter. Or, I, I don't know who it was, but it was a young girl anyway and she was with Yoel's family, but I, or sorry, Melvin's family, but I, that doesn't really matter. It was a young child anyway. Maybe, I don't know, but it just absolutely distraught it came straight past us and I, I funny enough I asked Brian Moore about it before and you know he kind of said look if you're a fighter like me or Vincent Henderson or someone like that maybe it's not the, a, bad, a terrible idea but if you're a fighter like fucking Mike Perry or Melvin Manoff or something like that where either you're going to knock someone badly out or you're going to get knocked out yourself probably not the best idea and I would agree with that but I, I would go further probably and go you know Vincent Henderson could get knocked out or Brian could take a bad shot and get knocked out you never, you never know anyone can get knocked out in MMA look at Usman the last day well, I just don't like it and it's I never liked it right and didn't seen it right in front of my face on Friday night I was it was horrific it was really it was really bad yeah that would be a def- definite thing I've been strong on it over the last while and uh, even stronger now after after that but um Let's get into the fights and let's uh, let's break them down here because it was uh, it was a pretty pretty interesting night. We mentioned the Luca Palat one, the they're calling it the Luke and I would describe it as like an upside down inverted guillotine. And I was like, when I saw it, I was like, what the fuck is that? And I think most people were like that as well. And I must yeah, say, I wasn't no. even sure. I was like, yeah, is this a, is this going to put him out or is this even a submission? And then, just stuck. then he was out. And looking back on it, it looked like he was out for a while before the. 
the, the ref stopped it. I, I think Brian Minor I, I, I wasn't sure. I was looking yeah. at it and I was like, is this even in? I, I was concentrating on looking at whether the choke was going to put him out. I wasn't even looking at whether he was out or not. And yeah, obviously it was a very unique submission and really effective because, you know, you don't see it that often. And when you get in a position, you don't know what the next move is to get out of it. It's, it's, a, it's you know, it's a very difficult thing to escape. Yeah, because it's, it's one of those ones where if you move in a certain way, you get caught in like the, the actual submission, if you want to put it that way, you know, the one where you used to see it. So it's like, all right, I'm grand here. And then like, oh, wait, no, actually, this guy can choke me from here. I actually like the submission, uh, the finish was, you, you know, he was obviously out. So you don't want to let it go now. You want him to tap or you want him to be able to stop it. But I thought Brian Minor did an absolutely fantastic job here because it's a submission that... Uh, there was lads fucking uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts hanging around fighters hanging around and I was talking to them and they were like they didn't even know what it was and for someone to be able to see that and stop it so quickly the way he did absolutely uh, phenomenal I don't job. know I thought that at the time but then looking back on it um, I don't know did you, did you look back at it it looks like he might be out for like a good 10 seconds before I know like he touched his hand to make sure I think and that was another couple of seconds and then he stopped it like you have to give someone the benefit of the doubt as well just yeah. to make sure but no I, in, in this scenario where it's like an unknown choke and it doesn't look like anything to like even be there to, to get it within that amount of time. And no, I thought that was brilliant. I honestly, I thought he got it, you know, really, really well, to be honest. But it like, it takes a few seconds for a lad to go out as well in, in that sort of situation. But I don't know, maybe, maybe that's not the thing to be concentrating on. They were saying Luca is, uh, is like double jointed and he's able to hit loads of wacky, weird stuff like that, which is very interesting. Like he's a guy you'll be, you'll be watching the next time seeing what can he, what can he pull off after that? But that was absolutely epic. Um, and then we went on to the Acela Juge. Acela 4 and 1 now after the, you know, the, the Los Angeles Pro debut to Konstantin Blanita, who was, uh, you know, in, in the fight I called at the time, one of the most high level debutant versus debutant fights I've ever seen. The most high level, without a shadow of a doubt. Asked Peter Queeley a few weeks ago, who is the guy coming up? And he told me Acela. And Jesus Christ, Graham, he looked like it here. What a phenomenal performance. He looks so smooth on the feet. You were talking about that check. I think it was a right hook he hit him with and then the big head kick and knocked him out. Great performance from Acela, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And, you know, he mentioned it himself in the post-fight scrum with us that, uh, you know, three years ago when he, when, he fought, when he fought Constantine, he didn't have the the grappling kind of experience to to fight off the uh, wrestling takedown attempt and on the grappling. But this time when he when his opponent did try to take him down at the start of the fight, he stayed calm and reversed the position. And when it got back onto the feet, you could see the the levels uh, of striking were were, were in Azael's or as how do you say his name? Asael or is Asel, it? I believe Asel. Asel. A cell. Uh, you can see that he had the striking advantage. He has a lot of tools uh, on the feet, and he's very fast. And you know, the the replays kind of that they showed only started from the, the the head kick that knocked that knocked him down. But that right hook before was kind of the beginning of the end, uh, in my opinion. And yeah, he looked phenomenal. It was a a big win against a really tough guy. Like we've seen Jordan Barton tested before. That was his tenth fight. You know, it was this is a no easy guy. He went out there and made it look easy. Um, so yeah, absolutely brilliant performance. Um, and yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to following his career. He's already four and one now, like you know, and he's 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 beaten Jordan Barton. So it'd be interesting to see who they match him up against next. You know, you don't want to push him too fast either. You know, uh, if if Bellator do identify him as kind of one to to kind of not coddle, but one to kind of put on a certain path, I think that would be a good idea. Hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, without a shadow of it, I think this guy is. 
is unbelievably talented, really, really talented. And uh, just, you know what, maybe, maybe the Constantine Blanita rematch would be the one to make. Like, I don't know what Constantine has been, uh, you, know, you know, Graham, give, uh, give Andy Ryan an old text there. Maybe we'll get, an, uh, <laughs> we'll get a, a reply before the end of the podcast. Say, where, where's Constantine? Yeah, I don't know what, what's going on with either the Blanita brothers. They haven't fought in a couple of years, either of them. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Yeah, uh, interesting. But very, very good performance from Asal again. Definitely want to watch. I I was out doing the, the, the videos for the for the Luca and the SL ones and I came back in and Kenny Mokahana was just getting the tap against Alex Bodnar which tends to fucking happen in these events no uh, was, he didn't tap did he or did he, he, not he tapped as he went out I think he went out cold but maybe maybe I missed the tap but I think well, he went out cold t- tell us what happened because you were, you were watching the fight yeah um, I, I was at him in the interviews at the same time but I was keeping a, obviously it went very quickly uh, Kenny kind of you know uh he looked like he was on a different level, really. To be honest, uh, he once he got the guillotine as well, uh, Bodner didn't really seem to know what to do. It, it was it was a really dominant performance from Kenny, and you know he's he said in the post fight interview that his body felt strange, and you know these big events for these inexperienced fighters uh, are huge. Like they can affect you. We've seen it so many times, like not just UFC jitters, but like you know big first big event jitters and. Kenny looked like, even though he said that he was having all these kind of weird sensations, he looked like he, he looked at home there. He looked like he was on a different level. And obviously, it's a, he didn't really get to show us much, but he, he went to his opponent like uh, easily. And that's all you can do. And, you know, uh, I'll be very interested to see where he goes from here. You know, obviously, uh, he's going to need to make sure he's not late for meetings and nearly late for weigh-ins and stuff. <laughs> but uh, besides that, I think his performance was perfect. Yeah, I think he was the guy probably on the undercard in terms of all week that stood out. You know, he's a great character. Yeah, he, tur- <laughs> he turned up late for the wins. He was late for the, the media day. Well, he was like one minute ago when he came out, or <laughs> yeah. literally on the hour. Two, two minutes ago, and then one lad, uh, who was it? Um, was it Jordan Barton that was almost missing weight? He came just after him, but he made weight as well. But uh, yeah, literally like himself and friends rocked up with like seconds to go. But uh, he, he was very funny. You know, he, he was like running, ah, running, through the, running through the bus lanes trying to get in here and all of a it was hilarious but he was uh, yeah I, I would say he was one of the guys that made maybe a, a star of himself I suppose this week and you know obviously his brother Franz Malambo as well there's a good story there the two of them absolute fucking killers going around the place and yeah. um, and it's nice that he kind of sh- being honest showing his personality not being afraid yeah. to be himself you know he even got emotional in the post fight interview and you could see he's just a real genuine nice guy and it's easy to get behind somebody like that 100% 100% without a shadow of a doubt we had the, the Ken Musa Georgie Carhanian fight in what a performance from Ken Musa honestly I, I was picking Georgie in this fight but Ken came out he looked smooth throughout the whole fight he was landing big shots you could tell that Georgie in the first round especially was kind of eating him pretty well and he was maybe landing harder on Kenny or having or sorry on Kane and having maybe more of an effect but I think that dwindled as the fight went on and Kane started landing harder and better throughout it and Georgie started feeling it a little bit and Kane just looked absolutely on point you know and people were calling afterwards for maybe the Peter Quayley fight to be remade I don't think necessarily that'd be a bad fight at all to make for, for the February card if that's possible but I was really impressed with Kane Musa I didn't think you know, I didn't think he had that level. Not, not that he didn't have that level in him, but I didn't think he would be able to produce that level against someone as good as George Carcanyon. But he proved yeah. me wrong. Very good performance. I was saying to you in the first round, even halfway through the first round, I was like, this is probably the best Kane has looked on on, on the feet. He was he he looked yeah. like uh, you know he looked dangerous on the feet, and his wrestling wasn't really wasn't really working out. But he, he you know you know he just 
edged it out on the feet. And if you had to tell me that before the fight, I, uh, I definitely didn't see that coming. Uh, he definitely, I think Kane got a little tired as a, as the third round went on and his hands were down a bit. And, you know, you want to sort that out because that, that, that could have cost him. But, but you know, uh, Car Canyon just could, couldn't get it going. He was just uh, he was just outsmarted on the feet by Kane Musa. And that's very impressive. It's good to see him still developing and, you know, adding to his game at this stage of his career. And as you said, I think, you know, the Queedy fight, makes a lot of sense you know uh it, it was meant to be put together before uh, there was a bit of bad blood they had a bit of a confrontation at the the previous bellator uh, when when peter had to pull out and all of that stuff so you can make a good storyline out of it and uh it's a it's a winnable fight for both guys i suppose you you could say as well uh you know i probably have quilly as a favorite but if musa keeps making strides like this you know uh he definitely he's definitely a tough challenge for for Creeley and anybody in the division. 100%. Yeah, very, very good performance there. And while we're talking about the, the non-Irish guys, uh, Brett Johns and Jordan Winsky as well, uh, I, you know, we were doing interviews during most of this as well, but when I looked up and saw the screen, it was just Brett Johns on top, Brett Johns on top, Brett Johns on top, and it felt like the, the whole fight was like that. The Brett was kind of, and his father as well, I know, were, were very disappointed and maybe the amount of love he was getting or the you know the the amount of coverage he was getting i think the problem here is you're on an irish card with what you know seven or eight irish guys eight or nine irish based guys you're not fighting an irish guy it's going to be very tough because even that like the media did there's only a certain amount of space there's only a certain amount of time and like you know, I, I won't even lie. They asked me, like, give me the names of the guys you want. And I was like, give us all the Irish guys and, you know, the big name main card guys. And, you know, Brett Johns is kind of left behind. And that's just the reality of it. Unfortunately, like, if he was fighting James Gallagher, he would have been right there and he would have been one of the, the main guys on it. He would have got the big interview in the cage. He would have got the big interview afterwards and all like that. But it's a story for, like, probably the non. Irish people at the event at, at this time it's probably like oh Brett John's in feeling the love and all. but like he fought Jordan Winsky in like a middling prelim it's like it's just there was too much on the night there was just too much on the night there was just too much in the week I can absolutely see it though because he's such a good fighter and it's just the, look the problem here and they haven't they haven't talked about it in uh, in WWE it's it's not the result it's not the guy it's the matchmaking and. Uh, look, the matchmaking only happened because Jim, the James Gallagher fight wasn't uh, uh, wasn't able to happen. So you, there's an, I'm not blaming anyone here, but it's, you know, Brett Johns wanted a fight. He got a fight, fair play to him. But this is the reality of the fight. The matchmaking wasn't one which stood out. It wasn't a fight that made us care, if you want to put it that way, as much as like eight or nine of the other people on the card. And there's only a certain amount of time you can get to, to everyone. And it's just not possible. And that's unfortunate. And that's, you know, it might sound shitty, but that's the actual, that's the actual reality of it. And maybe, you know, he's a guy to speak to next week and ask about that and talk about that. But I don't know, on the night, it, it was just, it was tough. And I see where he's coming from. I definitely see where he's coming from. But well, what did you think of Grant Graham? And I look, there, there was people there and there, there was, there was a pile of journalists there and anyone could have gone up and, and and asked for an interview with him and Bellator would have absolutely provided I don't think necessarily Bellator were, were holding back or anything like that but well, what did you think of the whole situation? Yeah you know I think I can understand his, his side of it but I can also understand I can understand all sides of it you know his style isn't exactly the most exciting which I don't think helps either his personality you know he's not really a guy who's known for you know saying much that's you know 
making headlines and things like that. I think he has to partly take responsibility for some of it, you know, as well. Um, obviously, Bellator tried to put him in a, a big position against James Gallagher in a Dublin card, and it didn't work out for reasons out of their control. So uh, I, I don't know if you can really blame Bellator for it. I think uh, I think it just is what it is. I know I know it's harsh to say, but if you you know you're the you're the business. You're Brett Johns is his own business. He needs to go out and make it happen for himself. He could he could come up and say here if he wants to say something on an interview, come up and say here. I have something to say. Interview me, and I'm sure. I'm sure that people will, you know. Yeah, he, uh, he said to us uh, afterwards, I was talking to him briefly, he was like, I'll see you back here in February, lads, for a bigger show or something like that. So, you know, that, that's a good one as well. Maybe maybe one come back and maybe, maybe the James fight will be the one at that time and he could be in the main event. So, like, the problem with, the problem with this as well, and I hate to say it, but, like, it seems like all we hear from Brett Johns and the team is giving out, which is not going to garner you any fans, I don't think. And which, uh, you know, is... Yeah, it's tough because you should be given out because you're in this situation. But it's like it's a it's a catch twenty two kind of situation there. Yeah, but maybe maybe we're talking about him now. We will, maybe yeah, we would have only true. touched on him if they hadn't complained. So <laughs> very true, very true indeed. Uh, right, we will uh, we'll talk about Dara Kelly first, and then we'll we'll transition over. I'm gonna put Brian Moore in as, as a main card fight because that was a fuck the prelims. That was a main card fight to me. But Dara Kelly, uh, the last uh, Irish guy on the on the prelims, I'm, I don't care. Fuck him. Uh, I, do you know what? My my favorite thing in sport, right? No, not my favorite thing in sport, but one of the things I love in sport is during the Olympics, right? When someone goes up and they get a bronze medal or they get a silver medal and they fucking pull it right off them and they're really disappointed. They hate it. Yeah, I, that's the guy who's going to come back and have a that, chance of winning the that, gold. The next that's, one. A, that's a winner there. That's a fucking winner right there. And I feel like that's what Dara Kelly was a little bit like. Now, we were watching it and... Uh, do you know what I won't lie I was saying I didn't think it was a great performance from Derek Kelly I thought there was a lot of mistakes and for him to come out afterwards and say the exact same thing I was like well that guy not only is he hard on himself but he also is is worldly wise and understands the game and looks at it and can see in there that he's not performing the way he should be performing and that that tells me He's you know, not only a winner that he'll go out and say it and be disappointed, but also intelligent enough to know what to change and know what to, to do. Because, like, I, I think with Dara, he... I, I don't know what it was. He, he was saying as well that he had staph infection coming in. Maybe he was just a little bit off all the time. It felt like he got into... He got into every position. It was it was like a striker in a game of soccer. They get into the position all the time, but they kick the ball wide, you know, ten times in a game. It was like Marcus Rashford or something. I know. Oh, geez, I wouldn't say that. He's not as bad as Marcus Rashford. But... It just felt like he kept getting into like this quarter mount. Take one step over, mount him, land load of elbows. He got to the back, put one hook in, get the second hook in, take the back, choke him out. It felt like every position he got there, he just didn't do it. He just felt like he was a step behind. And I've watched loads of his amateur fights and obviously his pro debut as well. And he was never like that before. So I think... I, I think it was an off night, but it's also an off night that you can look at and go, Jesus fucking Christ, I can't believe I did this, 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 and this. I'm going to improve on this, 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 and this. And I would say the next time Dara Kelly comes out, he'll be an, he'll be an absolute killer. But yeah, look, he won. I think actually the, the judges, I think this was the fight where it was read out wrong. I think he won 30-26 in all three judges' cards. They read it out 30-26 twice and 30-27 once, but I think they all scored the 30-26. So it wasn't by any means he didn't get lit up or he didn't get destroyed or anything. I, I think defensively, you know, it was very good in terms of controlling the fight. He, he, yeah. he did the whole thing. It was just 
you know to get not not necessarily even to get the finish but to make the right move at the right time he just if this is the first time you're ever seeing Derek Kelly you would say he's extremely green and you know he's only two fights into his career so you could expect someone to be very green at this stage of their career uh, but there's lots of improvements to do but he's that, that I love that fucking mindset I, I absolutely love it what, what did you think of it Graham? Yeah, I think I agree with everything you said there. I think in the third round, he started to kind of do the, the right things a little bit more and he got yes. the 10-8 in that one. You know, he put the hooks in, he advanced the position. I think he was a bit hesitant. I don't know, yeah, maybe a step behind, as you said. Maybe that was because he said he was dealing with several staff infections and stuff. He didn't use it as an excuse. He just mentioned it. He said he's very disappointed in himself, as you said, but he said, fuck, win or learn. He, you know, oh, that was, uh, my, that was the one of the best of the time well. things of the week. I was pretty um, <laughs> You could see that he was genuine. He wasn't hammering it up. He was genuinely pissed off at himself uh, after the win, which, you know, <laughs> you get a 10-8 in the last round, uh, you win pretty handily. You know, a lot of people would take that and move on, but he seemed, you know, definitely to, he's going to use this as motivation to never let that happen again and to make sure that he's, you know, uh, firing on all cylinders going forward. And if you can if you can get that fight that kind of shows you what you're doing wrong in a lot of ways or you know what not to do going forward and still come out with the win that that's ideal i think 100 percent uh right let's move over and talk about brian moore and the rest of the main card he's got four minutes to try to rest away this title but he's got to do something big he does he's do something really big He's got to open himself up. If it wasn't obvious enough, Leon is broken out. They're ashamed, and he's embarrassed right now of his own performance. This is how you know a fighter is broken, and Leon right now is broken. Dean, you think making it to the final bell is going to be his win? That's going to be a victory for him. That's a moral victory for him. Not getting finished. I predict an earthquake up in here. You got to empty the gas tank here. I predict an earthquake. He may have resigned himself to losing a decision. But that is not the cloth from which he is cut. We can make an earthquake up in here. Yeah! So Brian Moore, one of, one of the stars of the week, I would say as well, uh, gave a great inter- interview to Andy, great stuff by Andy editing that as well, going down to Brian's home, um, spoke very well about the struggles maybe he's gone through uh, leading up to previous fights and that he's you know continually having to improve on and get better with, spoke to us really well in the pre-fight, 
um, you know, talking about doing it obviously for his family, but for his country as well. And I think that you you spoke about Kenny being genuine earlier. I think Brian, especially with the old the, the Irish stuff, you know, a lot of people they have that flag and they're like, oh, you know, and Brian Moore has a tattooed on his body. This guy, you know, Wexford people are a little bit different with that as well. They take it to heart and it's it's part of them. And Brian is one of those people as well. And when he talks about being pr- proud about pr- being Irish, walking out to the fields of Athenry and all of that, it it just hits home a little bit different. I think it's it is more genuine with Brian, and it's uh, you know it's lovely to see someone like that who is you know it's all about his his you know his family, but his his circle. I would say his small circle in terms of his family, and in his large circle in terms of his country, and he means it. And he, uh, do you know the thing about Brian as well? He's the one guy in Irish MMA, I think, who hasn't got his flowers yet. Do you know that? Maybe that's, uh, am I using the right phrase? But like, obviously, you know, we, we saw the ones McGregor got it. Uh, Peter uh, Peter Quigley's gotten it now in the big main events. James Gallagher's gotten it. Even, you know, Pinder getting to the tough and getting a big name, getting to the UFC. And lots of, you know, Ashton Daly's gotten big fights and Paddy Hoolan's gotten big fights and all. And, you know, Brian's had big fights, don't get me wrong. And he's had some epic nights as well. But it it feels like... Brian has almost taken his game, I would say, to a higher level than almost any of the people I would mention there. You know, Conor McGregor aside, obviously. And and maybe he hasn't got the, the, the rewards yet. But you know what he has gotten over the last while? He has gotten that epic Irish crowd behind him, which I think means more to him than, than most. And he's gotten the wins as well at home. And... Not just the wins, but the high level performances. And I know, you know, I, I, I know everyone, you know, wants to win and wants to perform to the highest level, but I don't think anyone actually like respects the high level of performance more than Brian Moore himself. Because that last fight against Lugo, high level stuff. I, I, I met him uh, afterwards and I was saying to him, it's like, I don't think I've ever seen a fight on Irish soil as high level of that. Now, there was a few actually in the weekend and we get to them in a second that were pretty high level. But that Lugo fight, I, I still think it's up there at the very top. His performance here again last uh, Friday, absolutely high level. I, if you're outside of Ireland, may, may, maybe you're thinking I'm overplaying it or whatever, but I think Brian Moore is a fantastic fighter. He's right up there with the top guys in the world in that division uh, in Bellator at 135 pounds. And he's, you know, he's been close a, a few times now and I, I'd i love to get him, him to get that big fight. Maybe it's Higo next, maybe it's the main event in February, maybe it's the co-main event in February, but there's no one deserves it more than Brian Moore, I don't think. And you know, you've been around Brian for a long time. Brian Moore was the first Irish MMA fighter I ever heard of before Conor McGregor or Kyle Pinger or any of them I heard of Brian Moore because one of my friends was from Wexford he's like oh do you know this lad fighting uh, out of Wexford Brian Moore I was like no no but I look at whatever but it, it's been a it's been a journey I've always had a soft spot for Brian Moore but I think he deserves it as well because he's he's really really good what, what are your thoughts on Brian we'll get to the fight in a second Graham. Yeah, Brian, that was very well said and I think another thing to add to that is like you know a lot of people uh, in MMA you know behind their back people will say things about them but nobody will ever say a bad word about 100%. Brian Moore yeah. You know, <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a really you know, uh, um, um, you know, a really what would you say? I'm looking for the word here. A really uh, uh, glowing, it's a telling report. thing. Yeah. A telling, yeah, yeah. A very telling uh, thing. You know, he, he's he's been close to kind of having his moment, and it's just like you know the AJ McKee uh, fight. He he looked really good on short notice. Went in there, ended up losing by rear naked choke in a, in a great fight. You know, that could have been his big moment. And since then, he's kind of been a little bit up and down. Every time he kind of looks like he's, 
He's uh, on the verge of getting towards the title shot. You know, they put him they put him in there with a couple of really tough guys, like uh, uh, in his last two fights, and he looked really good in both of the fights. But just you know, lost very close decisions, disputed decisions. Uh, Brian, you know himself, thinks he won, thinks he was robbed. Uh, I think I can't remember. I'd have to go back and watch the fights, but I, I you know. Uh, uh, the the, the Lugo one went. was very close. It could have gone either way. The Winsky one was the one where he went in. He didn't. He wasn't great for the first two rounds. He said he had a lot of mental battles. Oh, he beat almost. Winsky, uh, no, sorry, not Winsky. Mikhailov. Yeah, over in Russia. Sorry, not the Winsky. I just seen Winsky up in front of me here fighting Brett Charles. Uh, he almost submitted him in the third. He could have won that fight as well, but he was very disappointed with that performance. But yeah, the Lugo one was could have gone either way. Like he he could be, you know, he could be winning two in a row. But Lugo, you know, Lugo accepted the call out, so maybe you know it, it doesn't really matter. And be right back into it. But he's good enough to win one of those big fights, though, isn't he? Especially now that, like, you know, you see the mental state that he's in is different. You know, he's talking with more confidence. He's being very open about what he what he struggled with, not sleeping for what I think he said 50, 52 hours or something like that. You know, before a fight, that's like ridiculous. Like, you know what I mean? That's all the stuff going on in your head. Like, I've never experienced anything like that, so I, I don't really know. But like, you know, it sounds fucking horrible and very hard to deal with. And you know the mental side of the game is a is a huge part of it. Like we see it time and time again. You know, uh, you need to be in the right kind of mind frame. And he's gone in there over the year, over the last while uh, against these guys, very close decisions where, where his 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 mind isn't right. So. I think getting his mind right is a huge thing for Brian. He went out there, got a win, which is very important for the confidence, obviously, as well. It shows you that what you're doing, what the the changes you've made are working. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Brian's next one. I hope Bellator kind of, you know, don't throw him in there against somebody really, really good with an unknown name. You know, hopefully they kind of handpick his opponent a bit a bit better and give him a chance to kind of be the star that, that uh, like the not, not I'm not saying he's going to be a household name or anything like that but be the big draw for Bellator that he I think he easily can be if, if they if they make a few easy decisions with him you know or a few logical decisions in terms of matchmaking and promotion yeah I, I think the Higo fight makes a lot of sense if it's on in Ireland as well I love that fight so let's let's get that one going he's also been working with uh, Kieran McGinney uh, and people maybe outside of Ireland don't know Kieran well, but he's you know one one of the top GA coaches um, in Ireland. He's worked with a lot of different counties. He won all Ireland with Armagh. Uh, Jesus, when was it? In the mid two thousands was it? I don't know. Around around then. My my dates could be completely wrong, but. You know, people wax yeah. lyrical. And he's about in, him. he's in martial arts as well. He he's is, not yeah. just an outsider. You know, he understands yeah. uh, from training himself. Yeah, he's training with SVG, and I think he's training up with, in McGann's gym now, or he, he was recently. Anyway, so I think he, you know, he's I don't know, see purple belt, brown belt, or something like that. But he's he's very very good jujitsu as well. So as you say, he, he definitely understands it. And you know, Brian was was talking about him, and he he said the effect he he had on him as well. And you know. That's a top level guy there to to be uh, to be coaching you know, a very mentally strong guy who's always been kind of known for that as well I suppose so that's a, a good thing but on the fight itself you know Brian I think Arivaldo performed way better and way different than most people who had seen him before maybe expected as Brian said afterwards and I I was kind of noticing as well he was jabbing more throwing more shots than he had before I think Brian could have maybe drawn him out a little bit more that's probably the one criticism I mo- would make like every time he drew him out Brian landed that straight right down the middle and almost knocked him out and now 
Having said that, he probably did it six or seven times throughout the fight. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe if he did it more, he'd be doing it too much and and uh, give Arivaldo more uh, you know more license to land shots. But he was just it was a perfect display, really. Aside from that small thing, I think maybe that that could have possibly got the finish. He just touched him up. His jab was landing good. Maybe as he said afterwards, maybe not as much as as he thought because he switched as well to Saupa, I think at one stage. But he was you know it was it was one of those fights that you had to to be live in there I suppose if you're Brian Moore and change things up and, and he did that and he, he he showed his class and he showed the ability he has on the feet which honestly I think there, it's hard it's hard to call that there's a better a better Irish fighter active at the moment than, than Brian Moore uh, I think he's really good now there's a few we'll get to in a second which are, you know that is becoming more of um, you know more of more of a challenge I suppose because there's a lot of lads fighting well at the moment but Brian's performance Graham was very very good wasn't it yeah, it was. Uh, everything you mentioned, and also, you know, um, making sure to stay away from the takedowns uh, yes. of Arvaldo, because that, that's where, that's his go-to, that's where he wanted the fight to get, and Brian kind of, with ease, uh, defended any takedown attempts, and uh, made it difficult for Arvaldo to even get in on uh, on takedown attempts, and as you said, he, he pretty much picked him apart. There was a few times where Arvaldo landed decent shots, but, you know, uh, that's to be expected in an MMA fight, you're not going to go out there, well, it's very rare you go out there, and you know, you don't get touched, but uh, yeah, all around a very, very good performance from Brian. Uh, you know, you've lost two in a row. Okay, they're really close. Maybe you should have got a decision here, but on the record, it's two losses. And if you go out there and lose again, that's three in a row. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure there. And, you know, to make sure that you, that you go out there and, and win, uh, to make sure you even stay in the promotion, never mind, you know, get to where you want to be in the promotion. So a vital win for Brian uh, under pressure uh, in front of his home crowd. Obviously, that, that gives you encouragement as well, but it also puts a bit of pressure on, you know, your your friends and family, you know, how much they mean to Brian, as you, as you uh, touched on earlier, uh, having them there, not wanting to let them down and all that stuff. So... Uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant from Brian. Uh, Arvaldo, as you said, looked looked better than expected. Uh, you know, he's been he's been uh, around a long, long time in the game, but hasn't hasn't fought uh, you know all that much recently. But has been on a really good streak and uh, has looked much improved, uh, as you said, uh, from from the old tape that that was going around on him. So. Uh, you know, he offered probably a few more wrinkles than Brian was expecting, but Brian was able to adapt on the fly, no problem, and, you know, get the job done very comfortably. 100%. And you mentioned the Moore family there. What about the, the Moore family a little bit further north? <laughs> <laughs> Carl Moore and his dad, uh, who came into press road, was standing beside him. Is his dad's name Kev or Carl Sr.? Is it, uh, I, is think it it's, I think it's Kev, Kev. I think it's Kev. Yeah, big Kev, yeah. I saw people call him. But usually when people come into press row, we're like, oh, Jesus, lads, will you get them out? But I could tell immediately, <laughs> I was like, he was like, that's my son. That's my son. I was like, ah, oh, let him there, yeah. let him alone. Ian, you said to the security guy, oh, that's, that's his that's his dad yeah. the security guy it was just like he couldn't have done anything anyway no, <laughs> absolutely no way he, just, he was half the size of him at, at a maximum but uh, oh yeah it was absolutely epic just uh, like on the finish and I was there he has him he has him and he just absolutely jumped up he came back in dust in and like was, was taking us and everything I got I got a slap in the, uh, on the chest from him and I, I'm still feeling and I, I'm like you uh, got a five finger mar- <laughs> bruise mark on your chest. <laughs> the chest he was telling me he loves the interviews and everything else uh, and absolutely yeah. 
There's a video of the moment up on uh, yeah, Andy has it up YouTube and, yeah. and Twitter and, and all YouTube, that stuff. Yeah, so it's, it was, uh, it was, it was absolutely brilliant. It's great to be, you know, what it's great to be around as well and to see that. I always talk about James Gallagher. You know, when you see him around the Vince, you see his family around the Vince, you get something different. Now with Karen Moore, like Karen Moore, I actually he did a great interview with Andy, and his interviews before and after were, were all very, very good. But he, you know, maybe he doesn't have like. The, the most outward, outward, outwardly personality to people maybe who don't know him or don't see him but you know this sort of thing helps you see like the family you see what it means to them and it's you know it's brilliant it's absolutely lovely to, to see that but what about the fucking performance too Jesus I, I, I thought he was absolutely brilliant in that first round just absolutely boxing up Carlisle Brexit yeah. and I've great like time for Brexit his range after three rounds after three sorry three rounds three years out yeah. phenomenal. phenomenal you know yeah. I, I was talking in the pre-fight show about you know coming back after three years is so difficult against such a difficult opponent you know, it's a big ask and all that stuff, but he, he looks phenomenal. You know, we, we see a lot of times the timing and the range is off, especially at the start of fights when, when guys, you know, sparring is one thing, but an actual fight is a different thing. And this was a huge, huge fight for Carl. There's, you know, a lot of a lot of reasons, injuries, problem, personal problems, stuff like that kept him out. Like, you know, he's kind of a little bit forgotten about flying under the radar a little bit here. Uh, he came out, looked phenomenal. He kept landing that right hand uh, really nice. Obviously, uh, I thought he was winning the round pretty comfortably. The first round pretty comfortably. He got heavily dropped uh, with about five or ten seconds to go in the round. It looked like it might have been over. He said himself he couldn't even see. It went all black, and you could just hear the ref saying, "You got to move." And he's like, "Oh shit, that's me. I got to move." Uh, and he moved and survived. And even at the start of the second round, it looked like the ref was looking to you know get close and stop it. And as Carl was trying to stand up, even though I didn't think he was. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think there was anything there, to be honest. I think it was just kind of hangover in the ref's mind from the, the end of the first round or something like that. So, you know, he had to get up. He got up and, you know, he he, he got the, you know, he's known for his jiu-jitsu coming up and he got the rear naked choke and uh, finished it beautifully. And it's an absolutely huge win, you know. Uh, it just turns it turns everything around for Carl. You know, this this has really put him at the in a really good position. They're talking, you know, just talk about Yo Romero, all that stuff. And, you know, he's really kind of, gotten back to where he was when he was about to, you know, talk talking about the UFC being interested in talking about being a double champ in, in cage wires and that seemed to all fall apart. But now he's he's you know put it all back together in one brilliant performance. Fantastic. You know, he, he overcame adversity as well. Like yeah. he absolutely he like he showed a lot in that fight. He he you know he I said on the the preview show and Will Flurry uh, was in the comments uh, his training partner and corrected me. He said I I said oh I haven't been hearing from guys over the last few years oh Carl's you know looking so much better, he's improved, all that stuff. Sometimes you hear that stuff uh, uh, from teammates and stuff. I hadn't really heard that. And Will came into the comments and said, oh, I'm telling you, he has... He has improved a lot, and he was he was yeah, he was bang on. Really good. Will was uh, Will walked past us just after the fight, and he showed us his watch and his heart rate, and he goes, "My heart rate went higher in that fight than it didn't like my high intensity training." <laughs> like, and, he, like, <laughs> yeah, and, and he was like, "You hadn't even lying. Like, it was absolute. It was one of it was yeah, it was brilliant. I just said getting dropped at the end of the first round. It was I think it was an elbow inside that I I haven't watched it back yet, but I think and I asked Carl, he even hard. Very hard, hard yeah. yeah. But he was like that. Those left hands he was landing before that, just so good. Look great. And the thing about it is, right? He said afterwards, oh, everyone doubted me. How could you not doubt him? He's three years out of the cage. He's only, and he was a good bit out of the cage before that as well. I think, you know, you, you'd have to, you'd have to doubt someone. You'd absolutely. There's no way. We we all know Karen Moore's ability and all of that. And this was no easy opponent. No. He wasn't coming back in, getting a tune up. Yeah, fight. exactly. You're like. 
and he proved you know he proved us wrong but he proved us wrong in the most epic way possible because he he was brilliant he looked uh, and do you know what as well we mentioned Will Flory there it's very hard and I said a lot with uh, you know same thing with Leah and others as well like if you're like a, a big f- fighter you know a, a middleweight or a light heavyweight or you know a woman in, in a small place like if it's in America maybe it's a little bit different it's very hard to get training partners or just someone who can kind of go at your level and you know inspiring or push you or something like that I think Carl having Will and Will having Carl uh, you know, and I think two the both, both lads probably agree with me saying this, and I'm just saying this kind of off the cuff here, but it's improved the, the two of them so much. Like, look how good Will has got over the last while. Look how good Carl has uh, looked on, on that fight on, on Saturday, on uh, Friday night. That uh, I don't think we, you can stress how big of a thing that is, and it's you know for the two of them going forward. Will obviously in PFL now coming up soon again. Carl, you know, Carl Albrechtson was ranked number six, so Carl Moore will surely be in the top ten at least here uh, once uh, once next week comes. And I don't think he get the UL fight, but there, there's surely some sort of big fight coming for him. Maybe back in February, maybe over in America. But the, the key for him now: stay fit, stay fit. Don't 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 do anything. <laughs> you know, recover from that, but uh, get back right back in there. And you know, if he does, he's a fucking tough man to be because as you said, Graham, he's known for his jiu-jitsu coming up. Look at his striking was absolutely phenomenal. The physique, you couldn't question that physique. He ca- and also the cardio. You don't come back from what happened to him at the end of the first and getting down, taken down at the start of the second and win the fight the way he did without having good cardio. You know, people say it all the time. It's like, you know, the, the chin and the ability to come back is as much about cardio as it is the chin itself. And he showed that. And that's another fucking wrinkle to, his, uh, to add to him. So very, very good from Carl Moore. Let's move on and talk about the, the rest of the card. Kieran Clark against Raphael Hudson. <laughs> we were actually interviewing Carl Moore when this happened, and there was a massive roar from the crowd, and we all looked up, and Kieran Clark was was kind of on his back. He got knocked down hard at the start of this. Graham almost got an armbar, came back and won. Walk a shooter. I know you were watching it uh, close with me, obviously doing, doing the Carl Moore fight, but uh, another Kieran Clark fight here, really. <laughs> really wasn't yeah, it? exactly. Yeah, it went uh, pretty much the way Kieran Clark fights seem to go. Uh, he went out there uh, on the field. He got dropped early, and uh, Hudson got on top and was, was trying to ground and pound ground and pound him and uh, Kieran Clark tried to throw up triangles and threw up an arm bar and looked like at one stage that he might have had it but Hudson stayed calm and got out of it and uh, you know uh, won that first round and Kieran Clark's been in this position before he, you know as we mentioned he didn't panic he kind of got back to his own game he he uh, started kind of wrestling more, grinding, making it difficult, being relentless, and you know, uh, worked his way to the back in the third round and got the rear naked choke. It, it, you know, it was <laughs> it was pretty much how you'd expect a a Kieran Clark fight to go. Uh, an epic back and forth, come from behind, and you know, it's great for the crowd. It's great for it's 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 great for uh, you know getting getting yourself known. But uh, you know, you might want to. I don't know how long this could last as you go up the rankings and you come up against heavier hitters, you know, this might end up costing you, but like he definitely, you know, uh, it's good to be uh, still winning while you're, while you're closing holes in your game. But I think making himself less hittable is, is something he needs to work on. I'm sure he knows that. And, uh, you know, he's gone to six and oh now, uh, he was fighting a five and four guy as you, as you climb towards like six, seven, eight, no, you're going to have to kind of, you know, you're going to encounter some, uh, some harder, 
harder uh, opponents and Sharon Otis as well though that was he was supposed yeah, to fight yeah it's true it's true but you know if this was the first time this had happened with Kieran Clark maybe you'd say okay but you know I don't want to take anything away from the win it was a great win it was it was electric you know coming from behind winning is one of the best ways you can win and uh, I'm sure he was delighted but you know I think <sighs> trying to implement his game earlier uh, would be a good a good thing to add to his game, maybe un, 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 until his striking is uh, improved uh, more. Uh, I, I, he needs. I agree. I think he's. You know, with all you said there, I think he's the type of guy that you know. You look at some guys and they need maybe a move forward. I, I think Aaron Clark is a guy who maybe needs another two or three fights to keep improving, to keep adding those things. And he kind of said that himself the, the last couple of times we've we've been yeah, talking to him exactly. and interviewing him. And there's no harm in that either. He's only six fight in, fights into his career. He's had a long amateur uh, career as well. To kind of not just... Do you know, not just improve, but to kind of find his game and find the way he fights. And I think we, you know, the the way he fights at the moment is getting knocked down and, and wrestling lads and, and you know, uh, using your unbelievable cardio and getting the getting the finish like he did here, which is is grand. But if he could do that without uh, getting knocked down, part I think it'd be. Yeah. Uh, even and don't get me so. wrong; he's not beating cans here. He's beating no, some no, like yeah. pretty, pretty yeah. good guys. But you know, uh, as you go up the levels and get towards, you know, I'm sure he's looking at getting towards a title, getting towards stuff like that. He's, you know as you said there's no rush you know 6 and 0 okay maybe you think i'm ready but i think from from the way he was talking and uh, as you touched on there he's happy to take the slow road i think that that's a uh, you know that's the good choice uh, to make you know yeah. uh, sorry, say again that's the smart road really isn't it yeah exactly yeah. yeah i think so you know obviously uh, you know these exciting come from behind wins these these highlight kind of these look great in the highlights and uh, they could probably sell Kieran Clark in a, in a huge fight if they wanted to, but the smart road, as you said, would be to just you know continue uh, slowly on the path he's on and you know keep improving and uh, and when the time comes he'll be he'll be more ready. Indeed, one hundred percent. I talked about high level fights earlier on. Uh, Pedro Carvalho versus Mads Burnell must be right up there. This was, uh, you know, there, at times it was. Wearing, especially when Burnell was on top, but Pedro looks very, very good on the feet. He looked, and it, do you know what? He didn't just look good on the feet. That's uh, uh, scratch that. He looked good all around. Like there was lots of times when Burnell took him down, and, and we were kind of like, "Oh shit, this is a tough position." And Pedro just was calm, got his way out of it, got back to the feet, or got back to a better position. It was just really good all around. Um, one of the judges had a 30-27, Eric Cologne, I believe, and two others had a 29-28. I love that 30-27, to be honest, because we, we were talking about it at the time, and I know you were saying it, that Utah Pedro won the first round, and I was like, you know, 50-50 won there. I, I, the way I like uh, scoring to be gone, I would agree with you. I thought he won the first round 30-27 as well. Or sorry, he won the first round 10-9. Uh, it was one of those ones where he was winning on the feet, landed maybe five or six shots, was taken down, laid upon for maybe three minutes uh, while moving around as well and, and you know there was a few transitions in there Mads Burnell didn't really land much got back to the feet there was another five or six shots and you know maybe one takedown the fight ended again or the round ended I thought he won that the, the same in the second except maybe more for Burnell in terms of control and maybe not a lot happening but in the last what 30 seconds Carvalho landed massive shots of ground and bound and you have to score that they were the biggest shots uh, of the round and in the third Carvalho obviously was much better he could have got the finish I think was destroying him on the feet and he went for the takedown now he ended up winning the fight 
fight and you know maybe he won the fight because of that but I think he may, maybe could have got the finish or maybe could have made it you know it would have been even better for him on the feet I think but what a performance from Carvalho and anything bad I say there is just nitpicking because it was absolutely brilliant he was another guy that said she yelled out at me and I hold my fucking hands up 100% I, w- I would have said 10 times out of 10 Mads Burnell will win this fight and I was uh, 10 times out of 10 100% fucking wrong because Carvalho was brilliant uh, what a performance yeah. Graham brilliant 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 performance I, I didn't think it was a fight he couldn't win I thought he could win the fight but I thought if he got taken down kind of as as he did and held down for so long that he, he would lose I thought that he'd have to he'd have to get it done early or, or be able to keep his back off the mat and he, he just as you said he did the basics really well he stayed calm he, he frustrated Mads. He actually, I think he broke Mads Burnell. He, I think he gave up in the third round. I think um, at one stage, uh, Pedro had a, a clinch, a standing clinch, and was going for knees. And if he just had landed one of them flush, or even half flush, I think uh, uh, Mads would have, would have dropped half and would have been over. Half flush is like... That, that's an oxymoron. That can't be it. They're like yeah, half okay. flush. Well, if he had, he, he had landed it... Uh, <laughs> like half 100%. That's just not a yeah, thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> If yeah, if if he had landed any kind of decent, I, I don't agree. I don't agree. Yeah, the face, he would have he would have given up. I think, uh, but Pedro shot for a takedown and just kind of you know uh, took the victory that way. But yeah, I definitely agree. He did enough uh, to win those first two rounds uh, that were close in terms of you know uh, Mads had a lot of dominant position and maybe in the old rules back in the day he probably would have won that fight, but in the new rules. He loses that fight 30-27, in my opinion. I said it straight away after the first round. Uh, there's no, like, you know, Matt didn't do anything. He, 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 there's, there's, there's no impact there. There's no impactful strike at all. And although Pedro was in kind of a defensive position for 90% of the round, he, he did more than enough to win that round, in my opinion, and yeah. to win the fight. 100%. What, what a performance here. And, you know, Pedro moves on now, and there's a, you know, we'll have to look at the rankings, but there's a big fight coming from Pedro and that could be another big fight uh, for, uh, you know, for Dublin. I, I just hope with Pedro, he, it felt this time he didn't get as much love or as big a pop as he did the last time. And maybe because the last time he was the one who got the big win and there was a, obviously a lot of Irish losses there and this was in the middle of maybe a lot of big Irish wins. But uh, it, it felt like this fight for the crowd and for the fans actually like snuck under the radar a bit well, whereas the two of us were watching and like this was maybe the fight we were most looking forward to because we knew the level of Mads Burnell and if Pedro won it what it would mean so it was um, <clears throat> I think Bellator need to be careful with Pedro like you were saying with Brian as well give him a big fight give him a big name put him in a big spot the next time in Ireland don't don't send him out to, well you won't, they won't be going to Russia but don't send him out somewhere like that against a tough guy with not the biggest name in the world and you know the do, do it right. Uh, the lads were saying afterwards, the Bellator lads were saying, oh, you know, we really care about Dublin, we really care about the Irish scene. And they do, but they do, but they should. And they should look after and they, you know, this is their, this is their mecca. It really is. Where are they selling out crowds like this? Where have their fan base like this? Where have their fighters like this that people care about? Bellator need to look after Ireland. And I think by looking after guys like Pedro, by Brian Moore and others as well, uh, they will not uh, just look after them they'll be looking after themselves as well so I think that's a, a big thing but epic performance from Pedro uh, and he he, you know he's getting towards the title shot again no doubt about it if you beat Mads Burnell you are only one or two away so a big fight for Pedro coming up next has to be and uh, he could be right back in there in, in, in contention again um, Liam McCourt then went in there and got the unanimous uh, decision win over Diana Silva this this was a fight that the placement I think didn't help it because it came after such a high level fast paced fight that 
you know, it it didn't look as high level as that one. It's very it's very very tough to come after Burnell and Carano and look like that. But I thought Leah McCord made it exciting in the first round, especially she came out. She was more confident on her feet than I think she had ever been, which is great to see. That I think that's the one thing we always talk yeah, about. Graham. Much more aggressive, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Seeing that confidence is is very hard. Very, it's a very hard thing to do. And she was saying it afterwards as well. And I can't imagine. You know, we neither of the two of us can imagine. But I hear fighters talking about it and you you know obviously looking from the outside looking in you see you see someone with a confident performance and it looks different to the opposite of that and this looked confident from Leah especially in the first round and she came out and okay she's you know she's not fucking Canelo Alvarez yet or anything like that but she did well against Anna Silva and she won that fight on the feet against Anna Silva who in the previous fight had won the fight on the feet against Gina Harding so that's a very very good win it felt to me like this and I know we mentioned it slightly earlier on but it, this is a bit of a transition fight it, it was just like the, the last fight against Sinead Kavanaugh was such a, a kind of a mental and physical drag on her she had the Dorona coming into it as well I spoke to her um, just uh, a week before the fight or so and she was telling me about it and it was you know she hurt her arm and that as well obviously with the Kimura and then the, the whole uh, uh, you know the whole Sinead hurting her leg thing and she said in that she didn't want to kick Sinead because she she felt bad for her kind of and to come out so quick and just put hands on Anna Silva immediately maybe it was a little mental thing as well to just get past that and um, you know it, it wasn't a classic fight or anything like that but it was a much needed win for Liam McCourt nine fights into her career I said it with Kieran Clark as well no need to rush get those improvements she's over in Liverpool now it looks like she's going to stay there full time she said it's great to, a lot of them I don't know Graham we've heard this for years as well. a lot of the Northern Irish fighters it feels like they're often better when they get out of their locality I don't know why I mean you know look James Gallagher is the same maybe he got out of Dublin as well and maybe it's the same for everywhere but you know Alan, Alan Philpott seems to have thrived since he left and I know maybe okay the results haven't gone but his life and everything like that seems to have gotten a lot better I think you know I think maybe there's there's the communities up there they get behind them so much but also maybe it's a little bit of pressure and maybe you, you've a little bit too much going on that getting away and getting to a place like Liverpool to train under Paul Rimmer and you know Paddy Pimblett Molly McCann in the gym could be a great decision for Liam McCorn we'll see over the next couple of years like it's Cyborg mightn't have long left there right and, and if she goes there's going to be um a big gap to fill there and you have Leah you have Sinead you have Jenny Harding and a few other people as well there and it, it's going to be wide open if Cyborg is not there and right now it's going to be very hard to see anyone beating Cyborg but for Leah I, I think that's what she should be primed for I think Leah should be primed for two years time you know have five or six fights in, in the meantime and you know this isn't the next fight the next fight or the fight after that where Leah is going to be the best in the world she needs to keep improving put new things to her game all the time and, and keep going and I, she's on that background there's no doubt about that yeah, yeah. It's I think it's as you said. It, it definitely seems like it's a good move for her. She seems she seems to be happy there. You know, as you mentioned, she came out strong in the fight. Uh, looked looked good early. It did kind of turn into not a great fight it, it, as as the fight went on. And I even saw some people on social media, etc., saying that uh, Silva had won the fight. I, th- I think Leah did enough, but it was it was close. It, it wasn't one you 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 go back and watch. It definitely wasn't a classic or anything, but it was a, a vital win for Leah to get back into the win column after that Sinead fight. Obviously, as you mentioned, uh, she just got a she just got she she had to she had to win. You know the difference between. The difference between uh, seven, what is it, seven? What is she now? Seven and three. Seven and two now. Seven and two and six and three is 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 a big difference, you know, uh, in terms of what 
how the promotion might look at you and match you and stuff like that. So uh, it was a it was a vital win for her confidence as well, obviously. And uh, she showed she showed some early on. She showed some good improvements in in in, in the confidence in her striking and in her striking. But you know, it wasn't you know it wasn't a classic performance. Uh, it was a. I don't think she was happy with her performance. I think she was kind of disappointed. She seemed disappointed backstage, and uh, you know, it's good. It's it's good that she managed to kind of win the uh, get back on track, win the fight, and all that. With it, and you know, have a lot of things to go back and work on. We say this all the time, uh, but these fighters are young in their career. You know, we, we've been following her for a long time. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, since she was an amateur, and we've seen her throughout her her whole pro career, but. She's still early in her career. She's still building her way up to kind of fight uh, more experienced, high-level fighters. And uh, all this experience of being in front of the big crowd and all as well, outside of the actual fight performance itself, will stand her in good stead. And, yeah, I think she seems to have a connection with um, Molly McCann, and Molly seems to be able to motivate her as well. And that's very important as well. So, yeah, I think uh, it was a vital win. It wasn't a classic. She probably won't, you know, uh, be too happy with her performance uh, all around. But... She got the win, and that's the main thing. Yeah, it was it was a good one nil or gram, wasn't it? Really, <laughs> you know, you'll take the three points. It was one of them. So fair play, and then back in uh, back in the Wilton Column. Uh, Joel Romero, Melvin Manhoof. Then, as we mentioned earlier on, Joel got an absolute massive um, reception. Man, Melvin Manhoof got a good reception as well. To be fair, but Joel, I think, was the star of the week. Almost, he was. People loved seeing him. They loved uh, having him around Dublin and getting pictures of him and everything. And he loved it as well. He he was saying afterwards. You can't retire. No fighter is allowed to retire unless they fought in Ireland, which is is great for us. I hope that is true. You know, I get everyone around there. But um, yeah, look, it, it turned into it almost turned into the fight I feared, to be honest. Where Melvin was kind of just looking at you well for the whole fight. Uh, Yoel was looking at Melvin for the whole fight waiting for that big shot he almost landed it once maybe in the second round um, he did get a takedown in the first round or kind of fell on top well, he absolutely booted his legs out from underneath yeah. him and jumped on top with the an absolute speed, thunderous leg kick the speed of Yoel Romero moving around transitioning around the back I've never seen anything like it live anyway never ever that athleticism just the way he explode into action from like not Crazy. even moving to just like exploding Crazy. I, like I've seen flyweight fights and uh, you know uh, um, Brad Pickett and, and Ian McCall and you know Neil Seary and other lads like that I don't think any of them moved as quickly as you especially Romero at moved. his age though it's crazy yeah, it's it, fucking crazy on he, this man we I know we talk about I'm not saying anything new here but god almighty the <laughs> level of athleticism was, was insane but yeah they, they kind of ended up looking at each other a little bit Melvin did catch him once maybe you know a little bit inside but Yoel took it and I think that was Melvin's maybe only chance He, I think Melvin had to come forward here and land big shots and he didn't and it was always going to be Yoel's fight from there Ended up getting the TKO late with a massive elbow. He looked like a fighter. Uh, sorry, yeah. in fairness to Melvin, he did defend that kind of key lock Americano. Americano yeah, he did well pretty, in the ground, yeah. Pretty well, you know, for uh, that, that probably I thought oh, it might be over here, but he defended well and stayed calm. But I, I think, you know, he, he was wary of the, the takedowns and the power of, of Yoel and was waiting for Yoel to make a mistake. And Yoel kind of, you know, rarely makes mistakes. He's very cautious and, uh, yeah, he just fucking once once he got on top, that elbow was just fucking brutal, unbelievable. Yeah, um, that, and that was in Melvin laid his uh, laid his gloves down afterwards. Yoel was kind of talking about going back to one eighty five. 
Um, I think him versus Johnny Eblen would be a very, very interesting fight. I wouldn't mind seeing that at all. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, ho- I hope we, t- we see Yoel again in, in Dublin. Honestly, it was, it was great to see him. And I think, um, you know, Yoel versus Johnny Eblen, Dublin headlining fight. I, I'd watch that. I think people like Yoel a lot. And I think they'd, uh, you know, I, I think they would uh, they would come for that and stay for that. So it might be an interesting fight. Let's uh, let's see if that happens down the line. But um, yeah, all week I think it was very good. I even that, I don't know if people saw that video I made where I asked them all the fighters like what were they gonna if they could eat one thing right now the day before the wins and Yoel gave me a great answer. <laughs> like I Yoel, I don't know. I don't know if people realize, but he's a very friendly guy. Re- like, really, really, really friendly. And, like, I, I you know, obviously spoke to him dur- during that, and then every time he saw me for the rest of the week, he was kind of saying hello, and, like, he'd recognize you. I was, uh, you know, it's kind of surreal, I suppose, you know, getting recognized by Joel Rivera. But he was, it wasn't just me, it was everyone, and he was really nice to everyone, or, you know, made time and stuff. Really, around. really seemed to be enjoying himself, a really, real kind of yeah. happy go lucky guy. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, great. Absolutely, uh, absolutely great stuff altogether, and uh, great win for you well and uh, as you said melvin bringing down uh, a pretty epic career and uh, you know fan favorite absolute fan favorite melvin Manho for years and uh you know good to see him looking healthy afterwards obviously a big ko having a few drinks and stuff and uh you know it'll be a happy retirement for melvin i'm sure he's a lot to offer to uh to mix martial arts uh from outside the cage uh looking and forward then, to his next one looking forward to <laughs> Melvin, oh John, John, why do I call you John there? Uh, Melvin Manov versus Carl Moore. I'd watch the shit out of that. What if I that'd be? Lord, uh, I'd say after that, laying the gloves down, crying like he may yeah, take a little, may. little bit of time out, but <laughs> five six months. Anyway, I don't expect to see him booked in the next <laughs> three or four months. Anyway, he'd be on bare knuckle. Jeez, I could see him on bare knuckle. Fucking hell, that'd be fuck crazy. fighting him in bare knuckle. Fuck, fuck that. that. Yeah, no thanks. Uh, we had the main event then, and um, you know. Before that, Leah won, Carvalho won, Clark won, Moore won, Moore won, Derek Kelly won, Mogahana won, Asselis Hughes won, Piclat won, all the Irish won. But this was a tough fight. <laughs> this was a fight that, uh, do you know what? Look, it kind of went the way I think a lot of people probably expected. Uh, Queeley came out early and he tried his best. He went for it early, landed a few shots. I said it to Vincent Henderson afterwards and he was like, uh, what shots are you talking about? And I was like, okay, Vincent. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Vincent Henderson, how well you and Romero came across, I'm not sure Vincent came across as well, to be honest. Um, I don't think I, he, I think he's just a bit of an oddball. He's he always is. been a bit of an oddball. Yeah. Yoel's an oddball as well, but kind of a likable oddball. Not that Vincent isn't likable, but I just, I don't know. I, yeah, it was a bit, a bit glib at times and a bit... Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, you know, he, he came like saying he wants to put on a show and then he didn't put on a show and then he was just like trying to, you know, say Peter Queeley's a great fighter just to get people back on his side. But it didn't work because everyone had fucking left the arena because, you know, and, uh, yeah, it just, nah, yeah, maybe maybe don't bring Vincent Anderson back to Ireland anymore. <laughs> That's probably the way to go with that one. But uh, yeah, look, a great win for him anyway. He dominated Queeley for, for the whole fight apart from the, the first one was a 10, 15 seconds of the second round where he kicked him squarely in the fucking balls and um, he didn't know the rule he said it afterwards about the effectiveness I suppose of the, the ball shot leading to a point being taken away you know I'm kind of anti-points taken away but god almighty that was a clear punt to the balls that put Peter Queeley down hard so 
that's exactly what a pint is there to be taken away for. You know, I'm talking about other rules and you should do other things, but you should always have the ability to take away a pint uh, if needed, and they did it here. But and it's a little less effective or uh, devastating in a five-round fight than a three-round fight. In yes. a three-round fight, it's just like really swings the balance a lot. In a five-round fight, you know, it, 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 well, it, some, sometimes it can, I suppose, but you have more opportunity to kind of correct it. Yeah, in a hundred percent. The fight overall, though, like I think Queeley just struggled to get Devinson uh, on the feet and all the kind of the the groundwork. Queeley did well defensively, I think, most of the time. It made it very hard for Vincent to get into dominant positions, but that lead led to a lot of kind of Queeley on his knees and Benson kind of above him throwing knees and landing small shots. I think some stat came up one time, like um, Benson had landed 42 knees and Queeley landed Yeah, zero but or they were fucking, they were nothing. They were nothing. I mean, they were just, but like you're just, when there's no big, you know, massive shots being landed, you're just winning the fight that way. And if you did that for round one, two, three, the fight's basically at that stage, it's going to be very, very hard unless you're a big knockout artist, you know, and Queely isn't, uh, isn't that, and Henderson isn't that either. So it was, uh, look, people started leaving kind of in the fourth round, and once the fifth round got going, it was just, you know, there was at least 85, 90% of the people gone out of it. By that stage, it was just the fight we knew it was kind of going to end the way it, it didn't. And, uh, you know, not a, not a great man of it. I thought, look, I thought Queeley probably performed as well as he could. This is a an unbelievably tough matchup for him. He went out there, he tried to get the finish early, he tried for the whole fight. Uh, it's just there's not really much more he could do. Did you kind of see it the same way? Yeah, uh, it's going to be said in the in the preview show we did. is a very difficult matchup for for Henderson or for uh, Queeley against Henderson. He's obviously Henderson's a, a former UFC champion. He's he's been in a lot of five round fights. He he knows how to edge out rounds, and that's kind of what he did. He you know he didn't get any dominant positions as you or many dominant positions as you said. He Queeley defended well, but. Uh, Benson Henderson just knows how to do enough, you know. He, he at once, I think it was what the the fourth round was it or the third round. Uh, Henderson dropped uh, Queeley momentarily. Yeah, fourth, but, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Besides that, he didn't really land too much impactful stuff. I think he cut Queeley open at the end of the first round. Uh, it was pretty. It was a pretty uneventful fight. It was. It was uh, definitely not what Benson Henderson was promising in the in the pre-fight interviews and things like that uh, about putting on a show, but. We, we kind of knew that, you know, we've seen his style over the years. We, we know what he has to offer, but it's ver- it's very hard to beat him when he when he he's kind of like a master at nearly at, uh, at edging out rounds. And Queeley, as you said, came out early and tried to kind of, uh, you know, uh, get it done early or put some put some damage on Henderson early, make it difficult. But Henderson just, uh, you know, very experienced guy and uh, knew how to deal with it and just made it a very, a very difficult and long night for Queeley. And, uh, you know, as we said in the in the in the build up, it uh, it was kind of a, a very different, very difficult fight for Greedy to win. And I think, you know, he put on even though he didn't really get much offense off, he put on a, like a good performance. It wasn't a terrible performance or anything like that. But he just was on the defensive for for you know ninety percent of the fight, and obviously getting yeah. squarely kicked in the balls in the second would take the wind out of you a lot. And you can take a minute or two to recover, like he did, but. You know, uh, for anybody who's been hitting the balls hard, it, you know, it's uh, it's definitely it definitely affects you. I, I think most people, if they were plotting a path to victory for Peter Queeley, probably would have been to take the fight long. Even though Benson is good there as well, but you you get what I mean. And the fact that there was like a three minute break for that 
dick kick in the middle of the second and the fact that there was so much kind of both guys kind of laying on their knees and not much happening it wasn't the most cardio sapping right now for, easy for me to say but I, I would say both guys would nearly agree with that they were both going the same pace in the fifth round as they were you know in the first round and I think it, not that it played into either guy's favour necessarily but I think it took away that one chance that Peter Queeley had you know that Vincent Henderson I spoke to him six weeks ago and he hadn't even started camp you know and um, maybe pushing that pace would have been something that would have given Peter Queeley more of a chance but the, the way the fight went that was just not even a possibility so yeah it was a, it was a, it was a tough night at the office of Queeley but as I said uh, you said it there I would agree like uh, maybe people are saying, what are you talking about from when he lost every round and all? But he's fighting Vincent Henderson in there, a very, very, very good fighter, top-level fighter, and he didn't make a disgrace of himself. And, you know, he, he you know, it, it, it's a tough spot as well when you, you know, and Quigley's always said, I'll take the tough fights, I'll take the hardest fights possible and let the cards fall how it may. And that's exactly what he did here again, but it's in the, the main event in a big fight against the guy who, like, Queely, if he could go, could have gone out and he sword try or his shield trying to win this fight, I'm sure he would have. But Vincent Hinders is not the type of guy you can do that against either. So it was a fight that was going to be like a dominant loss and not a great fight either. It was a, it was a tough fucking spot for Peter Queely. It really, really was, uh, and it ended up being that, I suppose, in the end. But uh, and, you know. and what do you think of the matchups that Queely's been given in, in Dublin? Uh, you know, obviously two very difficult, yeah, difficult uh, assignments. Uh, do you think that was the the right call or uh, obviously in, in hindsight it's easier to say but at the time do you know what it was uh, look, uh, look the title fight you know if you give someone a title fight it's the, the champion so whatever or it was was that that was, that was the that was for a vacant title was it yeah it was for a vacant title so that's you know that's grand and that, that fight made sense look the Vincent Henderson fight after losing that one it's another big fight I'm not gonna like Peter Queeley wouldn't give out about having a big fight so I'm not gonna give out about having a big fight you know he's 20 fights into his career now he's at the prime of his career he wants to be fighting the biggest guys in the world it's the same with like Miles Price you know fighting Pettis fighting Jeremy Stevens. You know, th- these lads come to a stage in their career they want those big fights if you keep waiting for those big fights they'll never come so no, I have no problem and Bellator you know they should be putting on tough matchups they should be putting on you know two guys ranked in the top 10 up against each other where Queely is after beating uh, Patricky uh, and obviously where Benson is as well so no, I have no problem with that now maybe if you're matchmaking him next time or matchmaking guys on the way up I would say a little you know a little bit differently but no I think I, I don't I, I wouldn't criticise him for that at all no I, I think that's good and no was it a, were they tough fights absolutely was this one it wasn't that winnable you know it was an extremely tough fight and he, I, like I was sitting there kind of watching Peter walking out and uh, kind of knowing the way the fight would go I was I, uh, it's, you know it was weird it was we- it was a weird fight to me from the very start because I kind of I knew the way it would go exactly almost you know some fights are very easy to predict and this was one of them and you knew the way the crowd would react and you knew the the way to get kind of get disheartened, uh, I think, and you know, it was a uh, yeah, it was a tough minute, but it doesn't take away from a great week and a great night of fights, an epic night of fights. There was a lot of you know, a lot of violence, even in the in the co-main event, and not the best fight in the world, maybe in around three decisions, but the the submission from Kieran Clark, yeah, even in the crowd during the main event, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, TMZ uh, Stevenson was our <laughs> was our record. That's all. we might have that video as well around somewhere, but yeah, some some epic performances, you know, from the the two Moors. Kieran Clark, Derek Kelly, you know, getting a win, uh, 
and and that great post fight interview and you know fair play to Kane Musa and Kenny and Asel uh, and Luca uh, as well and all the main card Leah and and Joel and, and the rest as well so great to see Irish MMA in Ireland great to see Ireland flying the flag um, and great to see all the fans out there as well as I said and and Severa leading the way we're not just leading the way in Ireland we lead the way worldwide there is no event covered as well by any outlet than Severa May covers. Uh, big cards in Ireland. I would, I I would stake anything on that, honestly, because uh, the level and I don't. I, I think it's a little bit unfair the advantage we have because you know we're doing an interview and Peter Queeley can throw a joke at me about Limerick, you know, or you know I can ask him about Davy Fitz or Brian Moore. You know, you know about his family. You know about this. The, that level of knowledge isn't there for other people, other you know media members in other places. And we're we're so lucky. We are so lucky to have these fucking great fighters here, to have these great cards here. And do you know what? They're lucky to have us as well. Yeah, <laughs> if we're being honest, but we're very, we're a hundred times more lucky to have them. And do you know what, Graham? Where's the UFC? Where's the UFC? Come on, come I'll on. Say Bellator, very glad the UFC haven't come. Yeah, <laughs> but the UFC should be here. How can the UFC see that last Friday night and not be on the phone to the tree ring the next day saying? Fuck Bellator. We want that 24th of February date. We only get, and apparently, so 24th of February, that was the date I heard for the next one. And apparently it came up on the screen uh, in the tree arena. So it's not me breaking news or anything. Two or three different people told me it came up on the screen in the tree arena. So it looks like it's going to be the 24th. That isn't confirmed. Um, you know, Bellator and Showtime, I think they have bo- boxing and everything else like that. So uh, it's not confirmed yet, but that that's the date that was knocking around. And that's the date that came up on screen. So, uh, yeah. Anyway. Do you know what, Graham? We're not going to go into all these other cards. We've spent an hour and a half talking about Bellator. This is the longest podcast in a long time. I'm going to put out Hot Topic for free this week. Hot Topic's going to be free this week. Myself and Ian will go look at next week's cards. We'll look back a little bit as well again on, on Bellator if there's anything more that comes out from that. And that will be out uh, Wednesday morning for free for everyone. So we will leave it at that. Where, where, before you finish, where would you rank the zombie walkout in terms of zombie walkouts? I don't know. As I said there, I don't, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as uh, the la- the other ones, just because I knew what was kind of coming. Where, where, where would you rank it? Yeah, I, I I didn't think it was as good as as the no. previous ones. Yeah, uh, but it was still obviously extremely loud, and everybody was into it. But uh, yeah, for me, it wasn't it wasn't quite up there. I, I think that's a lot to do with the fucking lads out in the the bathrooms fucking lining up to do whatever they were doing in there and being out of their fucking heads. The crowd like. There was great. There was a great crowd, but also a lot of fucking idiots in there. Like a lot of idiots, and I see a lot of people complaining about a lot of idiots in there as well. And I don't. I don't think that helped that, to be honest. And uh, you know, so I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't like to end it on that note. But there was a lot of dickheads in there, and I feel like a lot of the the people listening to this would be saying like thanks for saying that Sean because it's true you know we were fucking struggling to watch fights and all because these lads wouldn't get out of our way and things. But yeah. Anyway, we will. Uh, we will leave it there. To uh, Graham, great week. Nice seeing you again for the first time in, what, five or six months. So great. Uh, nice seeing Andy and Quilsha and John and Dunna Carby was around and, and uh, um, Jerry. And if I'm leaving anyone else out, I apologize. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, epic to see everyone. And it was a, a great a great week and a great night. And um We'll do it all again in February, <laughs> hopefully, if Dublin uh, hotel prices stay down. So uh, we leave it there. 
patreon.com forward slash severe mail podcast if you enjoyed this podcast and if you enjoyed the week coverage and want to continue to support us please sign up there but if you don't want to do that head on over to youtube and just subscribe there it's free just subscribe to youtube look up severe man youtube you'll see all the interviews from last week click subscribe there we just passed fifteen thousand. we appreciate everyone who's already done it but click subscribe there and also wherever you're listening to this podcast whether it's itunes if itunes fucking put it up they've been late uh soundcloud podcast public wherever just click subscribe there as well it'll be helping us out it's free make no difference to you if you don't want to listen to it next week just skip along it or just press play even then did skip along it but uh yeah please do that we would really 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 appreciate it so we will uh leave it there from the whole severe and may team graham have you uh have you a quote for the week for us to uh to put us out on this week yeah it's the same old theme since 1916 in your head in your head they're still fighting oh limerick we'll see you all next tuesday or not tuesday sunday good luck